Hello, and welcome to another edition of Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information, insight, and experiences for people who are planning for, about to, or already have retired. I'm John McComb, recently retired after a 50-year broadcast career, the past 36 years at CKNW Radio in Vancouver. I'm sitting down with my co-host, Lori Pinkowski every other Friday to help answer the many questions that come up as you prepare to relax and devote some time to you and your new life. Lori is the founder of Pinkowski Wealth Management and is a Senior Vice President and Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Genuity. Lori, it is always great to talk to you. Uh, we speak this week as a tumultuous U.S. presidential election vote is <laughs> still being sorted out. It is still being sorted out. And what a wild week it's been and an exciting week as well, watching what's what's happening, what's going on. Markets have reacted surprisingly well to the uncertainty. And, and part of that has to do with that Republicans maintain control of the Senate. So a lot of the tax cuts that we previously saw are not going to kind of vanish all of a sudden. So I think that was uh, pleasing to everyone. And I think the idea that hopefully a stimulus package is approved as soon as, uh, you know, we get through this election, that will happen. But I, I don't know about that. I think that you might see more fighting between the parties, as we're seeing already. I mean, Trump is launching lawsuits already about the um, vote counts and all that kind of stuff. I can't see how a stimulus package is going to be passed with any ease at this point either, John. Well, I was just hearing earlier on that the Nevada officials there are saying it could be Saturday or Sunday before they can get through. I think it was about 75,000 ballots. And you think, gee, why, why does it take so long to count? How many do they not have enough people or equipment or what's the, what the problem is? I don't know. Yeah, you know, that's, uh, I think, the question that we're all asking. And again, this is a, a different election with so many mail-in ballots. We've never seen that before. And, and that's part of the issue and part of the uncertainty and why everything is taking so long. So what we've seen in the markets, though, this week is a really big recovery. Uh, we've seen uh, huge updates every day and in certain sectors as well. I mean, we've seen a lot of uh, bounce back in technology and healthcare and biotech as well. And really, some sectors are doing better than others, depending on the flavor of the day of who is leading and who is likely projected to win. And at this time, it appears that likely going to be a Biden win. I don't know. It's probably too early to call that. But with that comes more stimulus. And that is what the markets are excited about. As I was saying, tax rates, will they go up or how much and when? You know, that's kind of pushed out into the future. So that's not that big of a worry at this point. And so that's what's leading the markets higher. But of course, there's a few things still on the horizon as well. It's not just the election and the stimulus package. Obviously, watching COVID numbers as well as the possibility of a vaccine for COVID being announced some here in the next few weeks to months. That's also very exciting for market. So we'll be watching all of this closely. And in terms of the equity markets with them being as high as they are or bouncing back, you know, there's room for markets to go higher. And it's very difficult to trade over the next, say, couple weeks. And so you go in in stages and look for some of those equities that you want to hold in your portfolio, not just for the next month or two, but for the next six months, 12 months, two years even. I think what's happened this year is leading the way for a bull market over the next few years, actually. Well, I'm curious, and maybe you can sort me out on this, because we're told over and over that markets don't like uncertainty. And yet, in the last couple of days, we have been in the realm of total uncertainty in terms of who's going to take the very important position 
position of president of the United States. So why have the markets gone up in the last, you know, 72 hours or so, three, 400 points a day? I think one of the big reasons is because Republicans maintain control of the Senate. I think that's a that's a big deal. Okay. I think that we're closer to finding out the outcome of the election than not finding out. It's behind us, dare I say. And I think that also leads the markets to look forward. Remember, markets don't look forward by a day or two. They look forward by like three to six months at least. And so I think that uh, is just paving the way for markets to go higher. You know, would I have expected the bounce that we've seen given the uncertainty? No. But I did think once we saw the Senate remain in Republican control, I didn't think that we would see markets come down too much. And also in the past few weeks, we've also seen markets be a little bit more how should I say it? They're, they're easier going about a Biden win just because of the idea of stimulus, right? Because for the weeks leading up to the election, the stimulus package was not being pushed through. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, Biden and Democrats want more stimulus. And so if he's in, then likely we're going to see more. And just remember, the most powerful person in Washington right now is still Jerome Powell. So depends on what happens there and what they do going forward in terms of interest rates and things like that. We're seeing that rates are going to remain low for some time. And and also, we're seeing earnings coming out, John. So we haven't talked about that, but earnings, you know, 85% of companies have beat earnings expectations. And a lot of people, a lot of analysts out there are actually saying that a lot of corporations are going to return to earnings growth early in 2021 despite COVID and the pandemic. And remember, you and I have talked about that we remain in companies that have thrived in this environment. So they're making money, even more money than they were pre-pandemic, like Amazon and, and Clorox and things like that. But even other companies are projected to return to earnings growth next year. So in my opinion, the worst is behind us. You know, people keep on going, what happens if there's another downturn? Well, you know, the clock is right twice a day. So eventually, yes, there will be one, but that could be years from now. The way I look at it, March was the earthquake, and now we will still see aftershocks, and those aftershocks are not nearly as bad as the earthquake was, and you can take advantage of those aftershocks as well. So there's no doubt that Canadians are as glued to their television sets and screens as Americans are. Why are U.S. elections so important to Canadians? I think there's a few reasons. I think particularly this U.S. election is important to Canadians because they have an emotional tie to it. A lot of our clients are not that fond of Trump, to put it in a simple form there. And so they're they're hoping that there's a Democratic win here. And I think there's emotions invested in that for a lot of Canadians. The other reason that I look at why the U.S. election is important, because it has an effect on the stock market. And many Canadians have their portfolios somewhat invested in the U.S. Of course, you and I have spoken about we have a high weighting towards U.S. equities. We are more bullish on the U.S. economy and so on. So for our portfolios, it is it is important. Although I will uh, remind people that in terms of markets and politics, it's usually a short-term volatility situation with politics. Remember, what drives the stock market is actually the economy, economic data, corporate earnings, all those sorts of things. You know, and another reason, of course, is trade, John. I mean, uh, Canada exports 75% of our goods to the U.S. So when there's uncertainty around that, uh, that is also an issue. And, of course, we saw that with Trump. I mean, 
whether Trump was, you know, trying to bully Canada there for a while. Really, a Biden win is going to be much better for Canada, but probably not for pipelines and, and the energy sector. Remember, Trump really doesn't have a policy for climate change. So, of course, the energy sector and pipelines would do better under a Republican president. In this case, Biden wins. And in terms of pipelines, you know, will more pipelines be built? Will they be put through? Will they be put on hold? I think there's some uncertainty there. So it's not good for Alberta or for Canada, for that matter. And also the currency is another one, right? It used to matter more, John, when we could travel, right? Um, but uh, now we, we can travel. But the U.S. Canadian dollar obviously is moving based on this news. U.S. dollar has actually gone down in the past week. And even more so in the past couple of days because of the uncertainty around the election and the idea that there's more stimulus down the pipe here. I just wanted to say something about the U.S.-Canada trade relationship because, yeah, there are some irritants on some levels, but really, does it change that much when the leadership in the White House changes just because of the vast amount of trade that we do with each other? You know, in some sectors it did for aluminum, for instance, right? Uh, mm -hmm. There is tariffs put on and taken off and so on. Yeah. Um, Farmers are also uh, can be kind of at the whim of trade between U.S. and Canada, but it's not in every sector. And it was a minimal difference at the end of the day. It made big media news, right? But when you really looked at the details of the North American Free Trade Agreement, there was not that many changes, actually, when you looked at it closely. So overall, depending on who wins, no, I don't think there's going to be a big, big change in, in what we're going to see. But it creates some uncertainty, I guess, for Canada. And we want to have that strong trade relationship with the U.S. It's obviously very important to our GDP and to our economy as a whole. Okay, let's look forward a little bit. Uh, what is going to drive the markets, do you think? When we look at the markets in general, and I always say I'm in the business of assessing risk, and a lot of the risks are still out there that were with us a month ago, uh, yet markets have been moving higher in the last week. So I expect volatility to continue. We want to take advantage of some of that volatility, but we also have to be cognizant of the fact that markets could remain strong, right? Depending on what happens with this election and, and with COVID numbers, like are they going to peak out soon and start to come down? Because we do know that happens eventually. It doesn't appear it's happening right now. This is why I have a big team. This is why we're watching the news daily and making decisions based on those facts that we're seeing. And trying not to be, you know, fortune tellers and going, okay, well, in six months, everything will be fine. You know, <laughs> of course, we have to have a thesis. We have to have an opinion on what's going on out there. You know, looking at what sectors we want to include in the portfolios, uh, such as gold as a hedge against what's happening right now out there. But of course, we own stocks like the Costco's, the Walmart's, the Clorox's that you and I have talked about. And, and those are good long term. And what could push markets higher? What, what could be those catalysts? And there's really three that we're looking at. And that's the stimulus deal. You know, something finally being pushed through, possibly something bigger than we had first expected. Uh, strong corporate earnings continue to move certain stocks higher. Vaccine news. And lastly, uh, we finally figure out who the president of the United States is. So, so those things could all come together in the next, say, you know, four weeks. Uh, vaccine may be a little longer. But overall, the stock market is strongest between November and March. So for us, you know, we're looking at this as an opportunity. Um, and like I said, I think the worst is behind us back in March in terms of this pandemic and what's happened to the markets. But it doesn't mean we can't have 10% corrections here or there. And uh, those 10% corrections are a good time to be adding some positions to your portfolios. At least that's what we're always looking at. How can we upgrade the portfolio? How can we get 
more of those companies that are in leading sectors and add them at better prices, well, we'll look at corrections to do that. All right. Let's uh, turn our attention to something called asset allocation, a phrase that we uh, hear a lot about. Uh, What does it mean exactly and how do you go about it? Asset allocation is thrown out there, financial jargon. A lot of financial advisors love to uh, to use it. And I think a lot of clients probably look across the table and stare at them and actually don't know what asset allocation is. And, and, and that's, again, why it's important to be with a financial advisor that can communicate these sorts of things with you uh, effectively, right? And asset allocation, what that means essentially is in your portfolio, how much do you have allocated to cash, GICs, bonds or stocks. And another asset class could be real estate if you want to look at your entire net worth and where you have your money allocated at this time. And we get a lot of questions about, you know, should I be safer as I near retirement and so on. And I think it's important to address that because I always say, you know, whether you're 40 years old or 60 or 80, nobody likes to lose a whole bunch of money. And, you know, I think there's a false idea that people who are younger, say 50 to 60, versus people who are 80 to 90, that the people who are 50 to 60 should be taking more risk on, and the people who are 80 to 90 should be taking less risk on. When we're sitting across the table from a new client, I'm asking them questions like, could you sleep at night during March? Uh, trying to really understand how they felt because some people, John, couldn't sleep, uh, you know, depending. I mean, it could be health concerns, too, in this situation, not just market concerns. Really need to get in there with those conversations and understand the investor personality that you're dealing with or that I'm dealing with. So I can create uh, the best portfolio for them because there's some people, as we discussed in our last episode of Ready, Set, Retire, the different decades of retirement is that people who are older are not necessarily more concerned about their portfolio or the world. It seems to be the younger part of the retirement kind of decades, the 50 to 60, 60 to 70, are are more concerned with volatility, generally speaking, if they have enough. They don't want to, you know, are worried about losing it. And again, you know, if you have the right strategy, that shouldn't happen to you. And, and so that's what we've seen over, over time. I would think that, that at the best of times, people would be interested in where they're invested and, and want to keep a generally close eye on that. But when all this turmoil is going on with COVID and politics and all of that, the uncertainty goes up. So the you know big question is, where should I be invested as we go through these more tumultuous times? We do get that question often, and, and it's a valid question especially with COVID. I mean, people, you know, we don't know what the outcome will be. Again, we we hope there's a vaccine at some point so we can return to life as we know it. But at this point, what we have done over the past couple of months, if we've held a higher cash and bond allocation, just again, it takes out some of that volatility of the stock market. I mean, in September, we had a 10% correction of markets. Our portfolio is corrected only 2% because we took action before we started to see that happen. Again, with the election, knowing that's around the corner, we maintained our cash position. Even though markets are going up, we're participating in that just fine. We have about, I would say, 60, 65% allocated to the stock market at this time. For a lot of clients, some clients may be a little more conservative, may have a higher bond allocation. And, And just remember with cash and GICs, I just want to address this as well. We use that as a kind of a cushion to lower volatility or to be a little bit more comfortable during these uncertain times, have some powder dry to get back in when we feel, you know, the uncertainty has lifted somewhat. 
But cash or GICs as a long-term investment is not a good plan. It's not a good investment strategy. GICs may make you feel better, make you sleep at night because they don't move in value. But at this point, they're paying like half a percent, if that. And John, as you know, you're in retirement. You're not going to survive off half a percent in retirement. You know, you need to be invested. You need to uh, again, have a good financial team that you're confident in that can manage these or navigate these kind of uncertain times. But don't get so fearful that you, you know, you stick your head in the sand and you invest in GICs. And I think there's a, probably a natural tendency as you approach retirement to want to become perhaps more conservative. So, what about moving accounts to a, a safer? quote unquote, safer place as people reach retirement age. And that is part of the issue, just with the idea of moving more to bonds as you near retirement. When we're looking at the bond market, which in Canada, there's not a whole lot of bonds to choose from. So we actually use bond managers, bond funds to go internationally to invest in bonds for our clients. And and those bond funds have been doing, you know, between 4 and 6% annually for many years. So that makes me a little bit more comfortable in having a higher allocation to bonds. But still, you know, in dividend paying stocks, the ones that we've talked about, I mean, there's also good dividends in there and you have some growth from equities. And again, we have the strategy where we get more conservative if markets are uncertain. So clients don't have to worry as much. They're not in a buy and hold strategy. So Remember, even if I say we're at 60% in, in stocks right now, or equities, again, equities is another word for stocks. Not everybody knows that. So let's say we're in 60% stocks and the markets all of a sudden start to crumble. That 60% could become 40% very quickly, just like what we did back in March to protect our clients. So that is important to have a portfolio manager that's flexible in that asset allocation and not to just have it written in stone. You're always going to have 60% in stocks or 50% and that much in bonds because the stock market goes in cycles, right? And sometimes bonds are great. Sometimes they're not so good. Same with certain equities, certain sectors and, and so on. So you need to be flexible in markets. And, and that's always been very, very important to me since managing money over the last 20 years. Are all stocks created equal? Definitely not, John. <laughs> it, I thought you were going to say yes there for a minute. I was going to go, what? <laughs> yeah, no, especially this year. Yeah. As, there, as we've talked about, they, they talk about a K-shaped recovery. When I first heard that term, I'm like, what, what is a K-shaped recovery? I mean, I've heard of L-shaped and uh, U-shaped, V-shaped, but K-shaped. And what K-shaped means when you think of the letter K You've got some sectors going higher and some going lower. And so this year really mattered what sectors or stocks you were in. So they're not all created equal. And you look at the energy sector down 50%, banks down 10 to 20% still year to date. Well, that's a very different snapshot than technology, for example, right? Or consumer discretionary type stocks. Even consumer staples have done a lot better. So not all stocks are created equal. And you also need to watch out right now for companies that are showing that they're paying very high dividends, you know, even some of those real estate investment trusts. If you see dividend yields of somewhere around 6 to 9%, you should be running in the other direction because there's two things that tells me. One is the company has run into trouble. They may not be able to pay that dividend 
And number two is that something's wrong with the company. So the stock price has really plummeted and therefore it's showing a higher dividend yield. So dividends in Canada range uh, usually on, on decent companies anywhere between kind of two and four percent, maybe five percent with some of the banks. But again, there might be a reason why there's a higher dividend at this point. So you need to look into that further. And so, yes, uh, John, not all stocks are created equal. If they were, I would have a very easy job. <laughs> yes, indeed you would. <laughs> but is exposure to the stock market absolutely necessary for someone who is thinking about retiring or has a retirement plan? I do think it's necessary because rates are so low and are going to remain low for an extended period of time. I mean, we're talking about not even one year of low rates. They're talking possibly into 2023, not just here in Canada, but also into the U.S. And and usually low rates are good for stocks. And so you have to be somewhat okay with a bumpy ride in the stock market sometimes, even if you hold the best companies. You still can't sidestep a correction completely. But just remember, corrections usually last one, two, maybe three months. They don't last forever. So again, having exposure to stocks, dividend paying stocks to me is, is a good idea. And, you know, don't get so fearful um, that the markets are going to go back to where they were in March. Like I said, it's very easy to look in the rear view mirror, but it's important to look forward. We're probably closer to coming out of this COVID situation over the next six to 12 months than having it get much, much worse. You know, I can't say that with 100% guarantee or anything like that. But when I look at the situation and how it's unfolded back in March, we didn't even understand what COVID was. We didn't understand what a lockdown was. We didn't understand a lot of things about the virus and we had no vaccines in sight. So obviously we've come a long way in just over six months. And on that note, I must ask you if you have given any thought to a thought for the week. So the quote of the week, John, is you can't retire from being great. <laughs> what? No. You can't retire from being great. No, no. So you're great and retired, John. Look at you. Oh, man. Uh, on top of everything else, now i got to worry about being great still. <laughs> you already were and, and still are. So it, it works for you, this quote, 100%. So it, it was so great to talk to you again, John. And uh, I look forward to catching up again in a couple of weeks. And I'm sure we're going to have uh, lots to talk about still with the election. And uh, we'll, we'll see what's going on. And we'll finally have some sort of an outcome. Good stuff. Thanks, Lori. Thanks, John. If you want more information or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management. 604-695-LORI. 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Ready, Set, Retire. Retire.